You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. What's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. My name is Chris. Thank you for downloading this episode. It has been a long time since I have podcast. It's the longest hiatus I've ever taken. It's probably not that long, a little over two months, but uh, I've been podcasting pretty regularly for many, many years, and so it's kind of an odd thing to take a break like that. In many ways, podcasting has been kind of a thing where I just speak about what's important to me when I think of something that's important to me. And if I didn't think of anything that was important to me, I wouldn't podcast. And so many of the breaks were uh, kind of like that. And I felt like in some ways, and I still feel like this, that podcasting can't, in any kind of thing, video making and all the kinds of stuff that you put yourself out there as a, you know, personality or whatever, um, can be difficult because you at some point feel a pull to just put out things, put out content just because people are wanting more content, you know? Um, and not necessarily because it's something that you feel passionate about or want to get out or whatever. You just got to keep uh, churning it out, you know? And it kind of becomes, in my mind, stale and whatnot. That being said, I think that there are ministries and, and, uh, and, and podcasting and stuff out there, um, even in our kind of clique, that I am so glad that they are consistently putting out content because that in itself is a ministry in itself. People that are regularly putting out stuff, even if they're not, you know, passionate about the person they're interviewing or whatever, it's the consistency that it's its own thing. And so, you know, I kind of struggled with that idea. And do I, am I this consistent, you know, person or am I a person that can, um, that can just put out what they put out when they, want to put it out. And a lot of that, as I said, has to do with me having to feel something about it first. And so I'll take a few of them uh, separately. With the Bible prophecy thing, I was burnt out after writing the books, I think, um, on a few things. I was burnt out with writing in general, not just the Bible prophecy books, but the sleep paralysis book. The last uh, year and a half has written uh, four books and I'd never wanted to look at a at Microsoft Word ever again. I never wanted to even make an outline of a podcast ever again. I just didn't want to type anything. I was so done with writing. Um, and so that was part of it. I didn't want to write. And then another part of it was I think I think I just was tired and maybe burnt out with the whole Bible prophecy thing. And don't misunderstand me. I am passionate about Bible prophecy and want to see it progress and and fully expect to be talking and doing a lot more on it. But um, I think the last few years or, you know, year and a half or whatever, I've been so concentrating on it and and whatnot and talking with people about it and fighting with people about it that it just, it just was, I was done with it for a while. I wanted to, to move on. And once I was done with the last book, False, False Christ, I was sort of had that opportunity. But as I also talked about, on this show, there was, um, you know, a kind of a vacuum, all these potential things that I could do. And I explained how that's always troublesome for me, not having clear direction or whatever, or what I need to do. <clears throat> and then the big question of, do I just pick something that I'm sort of semi interested in and do a big thing on that just because I have to do something? Um, so it was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. 
Uh, so for that reason, I was I was confused and didn't know exactly what to talk about. In addition to all those things, I was also just kind of in, as what I'm going to be talking about in this episode, sort of in a spiritual slump. I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it was a lot of, um, constant, you know, I was in the Bible quite a lot, you know, studying the Bible, Greek words and Hebrew words and, and commentaries and these kinds of things. But it's interesting how far that really is from concentrating on your own spiritual growth and your own spiritual life. It's sort of Bible study can be completely separate from, uh, you know, Bible study, I guess is a really poor way to put it, but you get the idea. And I think that for various reasons, I just wasn't where I needed to be spiritually. And part of that was, um, and part of the reason that I took the time off was because I felt like it was, it wouldn't be very genuine, first of all, for me to, to talk about spiritual things and, and whatnot if I personally wasn't where I needed to be with all that. So part of the time off was to figure out what was needed in order to get back to where I was in that place where I was getting ideas and wanted to talk about stuff. And, hey, you guys know about this thing right here. It's really, really important. That's where I want to, to live, and that's where I'm the, the happiest and the most uh, fulfilled, I guess. Um, where the, the ideas and content is generated by my zeal, I guess you could say. But that, that posed a problem because of, you know, I just didn't, uh, I didn't, as I'm going to talk about here, have a lot of drive to, to get back there and, you know, all these other things that can, uh, come into play there. So I just thought the best thing for me to do was just to take some time off, concentrate on my own, spiritual development, concentrate on my own situation here and really try to get back to where I needed to be. So it was actually kind of a, a, an interesting thing and it kind of became a, a, a passion to try to figure out what is, what do you need to do? What does this look like? Like, Is there a step-by-step process? And I've talked about, of course, the making of the spiritual slump uh, study and book or whatnot and I thought that was a great idea because, number one, it could help me out. You know, if I did all the research to figure out what it is that gets you out of a spiritual slump, then, and I could be sure about that, then, uh, uh, you know, that would be a great thing to, to teach other people. But that uh, was really a big uh, genuineness problem if, you know, because I'm, I'm learning all this stuff, you know, read I don't know how many books and whatnot that did nothing for me, basically. Read all these books and they're like, well, that's some great book. But, uh, you know, I'm still in the same place that I was. Uh, and I'm not try- I don't want to be over dramatic. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, in the gutter or anything like that. But just the, the joy and zeal I, I wanted and remembered wasn't uh, where it was. So I wanted to figure out that whole issue. And I still, I, I don't know where I'm at with that. I'm about to play a, a, an audio, and it's going to be the main meat of this podcast. Uh, that I did that I'm going to turn into a video. It's about 20 minutes long or something like that. And um, it's just about one step in that in that process, but one that I have found is a very important step and definitely a first step in that process. There's a million other things, and I could make a million other videos. Well, maybe not a million, but uh, a lot of other videos about the different items that need to have uh, to happen. Um, but I think this is one of the most important things. So, and has helped me greatly. But 
whether or not I'm going to write a book about it or not, I don't know. I, 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 it just depends where everything goes from here. I've got some other ideas for videos and stuff that I'm excited about doing now. And, you know, we'll see where it all goes. I'm just gonna, just gonna do what's in front of me right now. What is, uh, uh, I'm currently passionate about, not try to think too long term. I always get myself in trouble in this podcast because I'm like, I'm going to do this thing and you guys just wait. It's going to be great. And then I don't do it and it just never works out. So I'm just going to go with what's right in front of me right now, not worry about any long-term projects or anything like that. That being said, I am probably going to be podcasting a lot more consistently over here at Nowhere to Run, though no promises. Although I really think that I will. I, I do miss podcasting. It is something that uh, when I'm... When I'm excited and when I'm uh, feeling it, I really do enjoy it. It's sort of like uh, therapy for me, I guess. But um, but with Bible, the Bible Prophecy Talk podcast, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. Right now, I don't have a lot of that uh, uh, passion for Bible prophecy topics. Um, I'm sure it's going to come up again when something is uh, interesting to me. But right now, I feel like I have said all the things I was really, really wanting to say. I mean, almost all of the attention that I've kind of put over the last year and a half about Bible prophecy has been because I wanted to say something and I wanted to say it loud and big and whatever. And so come, coming out on the other side of that, I feel like, well, I've got an option here to, now that I've built sort of an audience in that podcast, do I just continue to talk about various Bible prophecy topics that I'm not that interested in? Um... You know, I know it would be a good service, but I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do right now. But I don't want to stop podcasting altogether. So what I think that I'm going to do is find good audio about Bible prophecy, which is actually really, really hard to do, I've found. But if you can find some good audio, I can uh, re replay them and keep that consistent. I think that might be a way for me to keep that podcast consistent once a week, or once every two weeks or whatever it ends up being. Um, that's good stuff, that's important stuff that people can learn about, but I can kind of take a break from it until I have something else good to say there. And that might come sooner than later. I don't really know. So I think that's all I wanted to say about uh, my hiatus. Thank you for the emails asking if I had been, uh, you know, abducted by the uh, um, Illuminati or whatever. I uh, haven't been, thank goodness, and, uh, and uh, things are cool. So... With that being said, I'm going to play this uh, little clip, as I mentioned, about 20 minutes about uh, spiritual slumps, but particularly in relation to a keystone habit that I believe will help people to get out of a spiritual slump, and that has certainly benefited me greatly. It's certainly not the only thing that's necessary, but it is a, a wonderful way to start the process. All right, here we go. The Christian life is kind of like a garden. If you take good care of the garden, pull weeds, fertilize the plants, and keep pests out of it, it's probably going to bear good fruit. And if you don't pay attention to your garden, it probably won't. In the same way, a Christian who meticulously takes care of their soul, their spiritual life will bear fruit. But if they neglect caring for it, they may find themselves in a kind of spiritual slump, wondering where all the joy in Christ that they used to feel has gone. The Christian life is not automatic. 
we need to be caretakers of our spiritual life in order to have the fullness of life that we have available to us. The good news is that usually in a case of a spiritual slump, the fire of your spiritual life hasn't burned out. It's just not a very strong flame anymore. In that case, we need to fan that flame back into a fire. Or, in the garden analogy, we need to pull some weeds and fertilize those plants until they grow into mature, fruit-bearing plants. But the question is, how do we begin this process when we don't really feel like it? When our prayer life is dry, if we pray at all, and when we don't really feel like reading the Bible or worshiping God or anything else, it's the spiritual slump catch-22. We all know the things that we're supposed to do to help us get back on track, right? Pray, read the Bible, go to church, listen to good teachings or books, resist temptation, and stop those particular sins that cloud our sight of God. That's all true. But the problem is that that's a lot to take on when years of soul neglect has left you in a state of spiritual stagnation, and your will to get started is very low. I would like to suggest that there is one thing a person who finds themselves in this state can do that will begin to affect and empower all the other things that need to happen. It involves the formation of a particular habit. Habit formation is in itself a difficult thing to do, but this is no ordinary habit. It's a keystone habit. The term keystone habit is described by Charles Duhigg in his book The Power of Habit this way, quote, Some habits, say researchers, are more important than others because they have the power to start a chain reaction, shifting other patterns as they move through our lives. Keystone habits influence how we work, eat, play, live, spend, and communicate. Keystone habits start a process that, over time, transforms everything. Though this isn't the keystone habit that I'm going to recommend, he gives the example of exercise as a keystone habit in his book in order to explain the term. Quote, when people start habitually exercising, even as infrequently as once a week, they start changing other unrelated patterns in their lives, often unknowingly. Typically, people who exercise start eating better and becoming more productive at work, they smoke less and show more patience with colleagues and family. They use their credit cards less frequently and say they feel less stressed. I think that when we apply this principle to the Christian life, it emerges that prayer is a keystone habit. And if we can find some practical way to help us form the habit of prayer, which we're about to talk about at length, it will begin to affect everything else that needs to happen to restore the garden of our souls to the state that we want it to be. In other words, if we commit to doing this one thing, it will change everything. The reason is because prayer really works, and if you just pray about all the other issues you need to work on, you can begin to see them change as well. But maybe the most important reason is because by praying, you slowly begin to genuinely love and trust God in the process. The fire in your heart, the zeal for the things of God, gets stronger every time you spend time with God. You probably won't even notice it at first, but God seems to really be doing something as you pray. 
Pretty soon, you'll start looking forward to praying, and you will finally have the will to work on all the other issues you need to work on. Consistent prayer is the path to getting out of your spiritual rut, because it gives you the one thing you need to get started. That is, the fanning of the flame God has put in your heart, which then causes you to love and seek and serve God. The big problem is that prayer needs to become a habit for this to happen, and good habits are really hard to form. This is probably why most Christians don't pray as much as they should. I'm sure they might blame their lack of prayer on their lack of willpower, or because they aren't as spiritual as they think that they should be. But I'm convinced that at least some of our problem is that we don't know how to form good habits. Lately, there's been a ton of scientific research to show that habit formation is actually done in the basal ganglia, a totally separate part of the brain than the cerebral cortex, where most other thinking is done. And in addition to this, studies have shown that there is a very clear pattern that needs to happen in order to successfully form a habit in that part of the brain. Researchers at MIT, for example, have identified a formula that is present in most successfully formed habits. It consists of three items, a cue, a routine, and a reward. Charles Duhigg explains this concept in great detail in his book, The Power of Habit, but here is a brief outline of the idea from his book. Quote, First, there is a cue, a trigger that tells your brain to go into automatic mode and which habit to use. Then there is a routine, which can be physical or mental or emotional. Finally, there is a reward, which helps your brain figure out if this particular loop is worth remembering for the future. Over time, this loop becomes more and more automatic. The cue and reward become intertwined until a powerful sense of anticipation and craving emerges. I'm now going to apply this concept to prayer and give you some practical ideas about how to make joyful and consistent prayer a reality in your life. First, let's talk about when to pray. I've read a ton of books on prayer, most of them saying that the morning was the best time to pray. I'm sure that works great for some people, but it didn't work for me, at least not for the long term. I'm not a morning person, and when I do first wake up, I'm usually impatient to get the day started, which is not the best time for me to relax. In practice, this made it very difficult for me to form any kind of habit with morning prayer, because I would find too many excuses to skip a day, and then another, and then another. You get the idea. For me, I found the best time to pray was in the evening, not just before bed. That had its own set of problems. Instead, I pray after I get home from work and have had dinner and am settled in, but not too late. This varies a little bit depending on circumstances of the day, but that's usually when I pray. Though some of you may discover the best time for you is later at night when everyone has gone to bed and the house is quiet. The short answer, though, is any time will work for you. Just make sure it's something that has a fighting chance of being a regular occurrence in your life. Another principle in the formation of a new habit is reward. Now, don't get me wrong. Time with God is its own reward. And the more you pray, you will be pleasantly surprised that this is really true. You're going to really look forward to time with God for its own sake. However, if you're in a spiritual slump, 
we need to give ourselves a bit of reward to get the habit ball rolling before the joy of prayer for its own sake becomes real to you. For example, you might try making yourself a nice coffee fixed just the way you like it when you pray. If you're like me and pray at night, you can use decaf. Or perhaps a piece of hard candy or something else like that that you don't normally eat. I know that last one about candy sounds crazy, but I tried it when I first started this process, and I don't even really like hard candy that much, but I wanted to give my brain some kind of signal that it would interpret as a reward. The other thing that I will mention which I consider part of the reward idea is the location that you pray. I think it's very important to have a place that you're really comfortable. Perhaps a special chair with some good lighting for reading. Definitely a place that you won't be bothered for a while. You might consider rearranging the furniture or an entire room in your house. Make sure you're really happy with your setup. Something that you can look forward to. Most people that pray regularly, that is, they have successfully formed a habit of praying, already do this kind of stuff without even knowing that's what they're doing. I started asking regular prayers to describe their prayer time, and it was amazing how many of them had the same routine, such as sitting in their favorite chair with a cup of coffee at the same time every morning or evening. So these concepts aren't new or strange. They are really the way good habits are forged. Okay, so now we need to get into the specifics of prayer itself. If you read 100 books on prayer, you might get 100 different systems for prayer. But I feel that systems can be too limiting and run the risk of your prayer time just being about you going through the motions, and that would be a terrible waste of the precious gift of prayer. That being said, I do think there are certain things that we can do to help us get the most out of our time with God. The first thing is some kind of reading of the Bible. You can do this before you begin to pray, or after, or both. I sometimes read first, and sometimes after, depending on how I'm feeling, though most often I read beforehand. I don't have a particular agenda with my Bible reading, either. In other words, I'm not there to check off chapters from my daily reading plan. I think that Bible reading during this special time needs to be special as well. So, whatever I'm reading, I go very slowly, and no matter what it is, I'm trying to think of what it means to me, or what I can learn about God from it, usually just a small passage. This type of reading is what the Bible calls meditation. The Bible tells us to meditate on God's Word, Joshua 1.8, Psalms 1.2. The Hebrew word for meditation basically means to speak to oneself. In other words, you're reading the Word of God and speaking to yourself about it. The word for meditation is sometimes likened to a cow chewing the cud. In other words, it's a slow, lingering process. Bible meditation is kind of like trying to slowly chew on a passage and think about its meaning, applying it to your life, or what it can teach you about God. One Puritan writer said the following about this, quote, It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most, who will prove to be the choicest, sweetest, wisest and strongest Christian. When it's time to pray, I usually just start out by talking to God about whatever's on my mind right then. Though I'm about to talk about a kind of system that helps me to stay on track, I usually reserve the first few moments just to be real with God. If anything is heavy on my heart, I'll bring it to Him first and foremost. Some people like to start off with praise, 
perhaps thinking of the various things God has done, creating the universe, saving your soul, providing you with life, etc. This is a very good thing to do. Giving thanks and worship and humbling yourself before God is something that is surprisingly helpful to our souls. Entire books have been written about the power of giving God thanks. A lot of people think worship is reserved only for worship services or with music, but I think some of the best worship occurs in this time of prayer. A lot of people utilize things like prayer lists, which I think is a great idea in theory, but I feel like in practice it can be kind of overwhelming, usually because they are a bit unorganized, and you might feel like it's a chore to get down to the last item on an ever-growing list. Instead, I use a concept suggested by Paul Miller in his excellent book called A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. The concept he suggests is using prayer cards. These are a few 3 by 5 index cards, each with their own topic. For example, he has one card for himself, one for his wife, each of his kids, his non-Christian friends, one for work, one for ministry, etc. You can obviously come up with your own topics based on your circumstances, but you get the idea. He lists a few guidelines about his prayer cards in his book that I'm going to quote here. Number one. The card functions like a prayer snapshot of a person's life, so I use short phrases to describe what I'm asking for. Number two, when praying, I usually don't linger over a card for more than a few seconds. I just pick out one or two key areas and pray for them. Number three, I put the word to work by writing a scripture verse on the card that expresses my desire for that particular person or situation. Number four, the card doesn't change much. Maybe once a year I will add another line. These are just the ongoing areas in a person's life that I'm praying for. Number five, I usually don't write down answers. They are obvious to me since I see the card almost every day. Number six, I will sometimes date a prayer request by putting the month year, as in 807. I have found that this method is great for keeping prayer spontaneous and open, yet making sure I pray about all the things I need to pray about. It keeps me on task and keeps my mind from wandering onto other things. Also, I always keep a notebook and pen on the table next to my chair, because it never fails that something I need to do pops into my head while praying. I do this for two reasons. One is because I believe that God sometimes gives us ideas or reminds us of things that He wants us to do during prayer. The other reason is to make sure I'm not distracted with ideas that pop into my head that are not from God. I used to sit down and pray, but then remember something like, oh yeah, I forgot to email so-and-so or take out the trash or something. I would often get up and go do that thing and cut the prayer time short because it seemed so important to me at the time. The notebook is there in part to prevent that from happening by simply writing down any items that need to be remembered so I can concentrate on praying. Probably one of the most important things I need to mention about the prayer cards especially for those of you in a spiritual slump and want to form the keystone habit of prayer in order to get out of it, is the prayer card about yourself. This, in my opinion, needs to be the one that you spend the most time on, because the most effective thing you can do to change your spiritual stagnation is to pray about that stagnation and the things that might be causing it. Pray about getting free from any sins that are holding you back. Pray for spiritual growth. 
look deep inside and look for those things that you need to work on and write it down. God wants you to progress in your spiritual life. And so these prayers will almost certainly be answered. It's true we need to make a heart-level decision to stop indulging in sins that are keeping us down. But what I've found is that as you begin to have a relationship with God again in prayer, you slowly begin to want to make those good decisions. This is what makes prayer such a powerful keystone habit, and how this one thing begins to change every other thing that needs changing. I'll briefly talk about how long to pray. Some books on prayer talk about spending hours and hours in prayer, and I think that's a very noble goal, and it would probably do you great good. But in the beginning, when you're trying to form a habit, five minutes of prayer is better than zero minutes of prayer that you were doing before, right? I don't set any kind of time limit when I'm praying. When I started out, it probably was more like five minutes. But what I found is that as I start to grow in this process, and I start to genuinely look forward to the time I will spend in prayer and Bible meditation, the time I spend is always extending. I don't really keep track of time, but some days it's pretty short, and other days I spend quite a lot of time. The final point I want to make is that forming this habit of prayer is not an overnight thing. You need to commit to it to some degree. If you miss a day or two, that's cool, but keep doing it. If you set it up to where it's an enjoyable atmosphere with some kind of reward, it's going to make it a lot easier to do. If early on you find yourself saying something like, I don't really feel like it, that's a good sign that you need to pray. Prayer itself, consistently done, will generate the desire to pray, but you have to keep at it for a while before the habit forms and you start to feel the benefits of prayer. Some people say that habits take 21 days to form, or something like that. I'm not really sure about those numbers, but that's a good enough rule of thumb. 21 days is a good goal to shoot for. Test it out and see if what I'm saying is right. So I challenge you to take some of these steps. Set yourself up for a win. Prepare your prayer closet. Come up with a reward. Get some index cards. Buy a fancy new Bible if you need to. Just give God a chance to show you that when you hang around with Him, even for a little bit, it's going to rub off on you and get you out of your spiritual slump. Thanks for listening. If you would like a free copy of the Christianity 101 DVD, which contains 8 gigabytes of audio, video, and text of various discipleship materials on a data DVD, please go to any one of my websites and look for the Christianity 101 button. It's totally free, and I'll ship it to you wherever you are in the world. If you would like to support this ministry or any of the others that I do, please consider a tax-deductible donation, which can be sent by PayPal using the email chris at chriswhiteministries.com or by clicking the PayPal button on any one of my websites. Another great way to support this ministry is by writing a review of the podcast on iTunes or writing a review of my books on Amazon. Reviews figure very prominently into the ranking algorithms of both of those websites, and the higher they rank, the more people that can be reached. Thanks for your time and for subscribing to this feed.